1: Welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com.
2: Hi, guys, I'm Jim. I'm the Leicester City representative for the EPL Roundtable. You can find me on Twitter at Jim988.
3: Hi, I'm Jay. I'm the editor of the EaglesBeak.com, a Palace fan site. Uh, um, I'm also i also involved in a local radio show, Back of the Net, on Suzy Radio, so you can check both of those out online. Uh, most active on Twitter, myself, at the Eagles Beak.
1: Yep. Thanks so much for joining us, guys. Up first, we have Making the Rounds, where we each have a few minutes to discuss what's been happening at our clubs this week. All right, Jim, obviously the big, big news. Riyad Mahrez dropped. Ruined everyone's fantasy day. Other than that, a very good day to be a lesser fan, I assume.
2: Yeah, I assume Claudio Ranieri's is getting a lot of hate mail, fantasy football related, from people outside the club at the moment for dropping the season MVP. Pretty much, I guess, based on his initial price and his assists and goal record this this year. Um, it was a pretty solid win, to be fair. I've not been on since we got absolutely thumped by Arsenal um, a couple of weeks or oh, last week, last Saturday as we recalled, and it was a good response. We knew that it was a very winnable game. Norwich are a very attacking side in their nature, and they don't tend to sit back and defend, especially when they're at home. So we knew that there was every chance we could catch them on the counter-attack with the pace um, up front and on the wings that we've got, and that we've exploited teams like West Ham and various other um, teams that have come to the King Power and tried to press and have the majority of possession and kind of make us play like an away team in our own ground, if that makes sense. Um, we were quite dominant early on. Um, Norwich came back into it and then we opened the scoring for a penalty. Um, N'Golo Kante, who's proved, I think, probably the buy of our, our postseason so far uh, with both both assists yesterday and a 2-1 win. So that was good. Slide rule ball through uh, to Jamie Vardy, who was clipped on the edge of the area. It was very, very similar to the Danny Drinkwater penalty from a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Jamie Vardy put that away, which is great. He's in fantastic form at the moment and has just been called up to the England squad again. Um, I noticed in the, in the betting odds this week, he's now um, one of the favourite kind of outside-ish bets to um, to make the Euros now, the European squad, which is, is fantastic news and not something I think anyone would have thought of um, six months ago when he'd finished the season on uh, five league goals but still got an England call-up. I think everyone thought it would just be a kind of one-off um, when he got called into the squad. Anyway, back to uh, Saturday's game. We then doubled the lead um, through Geoffrey Schluck just after half time. Um, really pleased because he stepped into that midfield breach that Mahrez had left. Um, he is he is a striker by trade actually that's been um, playing his game at, at full back. Um, for one reason and another, which we've been into several times on the podcast before. But he does know where the back of the net is. He's, he's very, very confident on the ball. Um, I've been critical of his end product in the past, particularly when he's on the overlap um, and getting balls into the area. But in terms of his shooting, um, he certainly put his chance away very, very well against Norwich on Saturday. So that has due his confidence, the world of good. Um, Norwich did get a goal back. Uh, about 10 minutes after we'd scored, I think it was, and then we had a chance that a goal that was disallowed, Ojoa, who'd only just come off the off the bench, did head one in and the, the linesman flagged it um, and disallowed it. So it was a kind of tense, nervy finish. We thought we were going to, you know, that is the game last season that we would have thrown three, one, if not all three points away, and we would have kind of capitulated under the, the heavy Norwich pressure as we got towards the end of the game. But we managed to stay strong on the defence, was relatively tight, still no clean sheet for us this year, which is a, a bit concerning, to be honest. But as long as we c- keep scoring one more goal than the opposition, I suppose we're not in a position to grumble about the lack of uh, defensive uh, stability.
1: Yeah, obviously you mentioned some lineup changes. A name that we haven't heard at all, Cromerich, is, is he anywhere near returning into the side, or is he just being lock, locked out by the likes of Vardy and Okazaki and Joa? Uh, the-
2: Yeah, it's a weird one, actually, with Kramaric. Um, If you'd have asked me, and I think you probably did at the end of last season, which player I expected to progress into this year um, and make a significant impact, it would have been Andre Kramaric because he really did show glimpses of the reason that we... paid all that money for him. We we paid about €8 million Euros for him, which at the time, it's kind of an equal club record fee, actually, with Ujora at the time. So it was a lot of money to spend and there was rumours of Chelsea being in for him as well and offering him a contract. And he turned down Chelsea to come to Leicester to get um, first-team football. And he did look quite good. He scored a couple of goals at the end of last season um, as part of the, the um, relegation aversion, if you like. Um, and we expected him, to be honest, to partner Vardy up front, I think. Um, the problem being, I suppose, that neither of them are particularly tall and strong. But with them both being quite quick and pacey, we thought maybe that's the way we'd go if we were going to go two up front. Um, but since Claudio Ranieri's come in, he's, he's really never got a kick. I saw him play a full seventy minutes, I think it was against West Ham in the cup a couple of weeks ago. And to be honest, he looked fine up until there was a chance where he was put clean through on goal. We we're one 0 up at this stage, and he tried to he beat the defender with pace and kind of rolled him similar to John Terry uh, got rolled yesterday against Southampton. And he went to chip it over the goalkeeper from about 12 yards out near the penalty spot and just completely fluffed it and Adrian just caught it kind of in his midriff. And from then on, he really didn't look interested. I think he's a player where confidence is so important to his game that any kind of knock is going to really adversely affect him. He's not one of those players who looks like he wants to go out and fight for the shirt necessarily based on what we've seen so far this season. Um, and I think not being in the squad a lot of the time, um, he's not even making the brent- a bench at the moment, which has got to be a huge knock to his ego when he thought, I would assume, that he would have been one of the first names on the team sheet um, at the end of the last campaign. So, yeah, to be honest, I can see why, if that is the case, he's not been starting. And it is very difficult to knock the selection issues when we're playing so well. Vardy, uh, Ujoa and uh, Akasaki are kind of working in tandem. Uh, any two of the three at any one point really so it's difficult to knock the lack of selection if we were struggling maybe he would have got more of a shot but it remains to be seen maybe he'll go out on loan somewhere or maybe he'll just decide to cut his losses and go somewhere else because the guy is a talent he knows where the goal is i just think he's he's really struggling with his confidence at the moment and, and that's showing in in the end product or lack thereof
1: yeah thanks and jay obviously not a bad day out for you lot either
3: no, not at all. Um, we welcomed West Bromwich Albion and uh, Tony Pulis, our former boss, back to Sellers Park yesterday, and it was it was an excellent game for us. Really, the performance was very pleasing, uh, very attack-minded, as as you would expect from this Palace side, which are uh, just exciting to watch at the moment. Um, we've kind of responded to a couple of poor, I'd say, poor defeats. Um, we lost to Spurs as as Kev knows, uh, Heart Lane, um, a couple of weeks ago, and we lost to City the week before that, which, in contrast, those two games were quite different in that we went away from the City game thinking, actually, we, you know, I feel a bit disappointed that we'd lost that game because we played so well. And, you know, losing to, you know, know, a City team, as it was at the time, unbeaten, that was their fifth win in a row, um, you kind of felt, you know, it was an odd feeling because, you know, we we perhaps should have got something out of that game. The week after we played Spurs... Um, and it was a little bit different because we didn't play very well. Um, Spurs just edged it on a day, got the goal, um, and the big difference was Eriksson in that game. And but we, was, we we were still competing. We were still we were still in with a chance in that game. And um, if you know if if Sako had scored when he, when Lloris made that save in that game, it could have been quite different. But they were two defeats for us, which uh, we wanted a response from. And last weekend we beat Watford away from home, which was a good result against a, a newly promoted side, and and we impressed in that again. Um, to, a certain, to more of the respect, but not so much your performance, but more the fact that good teams seem to get results um, when they're not playing that well, and that's what we seem to do. And we are beating teams that we sh- we expect to be beating on paper, such as um, Villa earlier in the season. We've already played the likes of Arsenal, Chelsea, who we beat, Man City, and Spurs, but we've actually beaten Watford, and now from at home. Um, so it's a bit different to last season. Uh, you know, we weren't necessarily beating the teams that on paper we should have been beating, or people expected us to beat. So so there's a big difference in that this season, and there's a real good feeling, particularly in the, in the game yesterday. In that you know, Kabai ran the show, Wilf Sahar was in. I mean, yesterday he looked, he came on in the second half against Watford last week, and um, he won the penalty, to which actually turned out to be the winning goal. Um, and yesterday he came in, started the game in, in place of Sacco. Um, no offense to Sacco, but he didn't have a great game against Watford. And you know, we have options at Palace, we have a big, know, yeah, a good squad of players, and we can. I I think you know, I looked at West Brom yesterday, and you know I kind of thought they don't really have much in the way of options available to them. We we have a multitude of options now, especially um, out wide and attacking. Not so much in a striker. Or I think that's an area where we're, we're struggling a little bit due to injury. Uh, but Will Sahar, like I said, was outstanding yesterday. He he looked like he was to his best from the time before we sold him to United. Um, so hopefully that kind of um, you know him coming back to Palace feeling good, and Pardew came out a couple of weeks ago and actually said in the press that you know he he needs to work harder, he needs to get on his game more often, and I think that kind of you know sometimes I don't normally like managers come out and saying that in the press, you know, crit- being critical of their own players, but it seems to have worked, it seems to have done the job, um, because since then Zaha has really put in a shift, and yesterday he was he was outstanding. I think I think one of the national newspapers gave him six out of ten for some bizarre reason, whereas everyone else gave him eights and nines, and um, yeah, he was outstanding and he was one of the main reasons we won the game. It was a difficult game because West Brom are you know, it's a purest side, it's a tough side they were breaking up play a lot, they were um, yeah do, doing a lot of the stop starting of the game and breaking up our flow, but the only, the only downside to our game yesterday was You know, was our shooting? It was, you know, know, our finishing wasn't very good at all, particularly in the first half. But the best thing was that we were actually creating the chances to be able to have that shot on goal. And finally, the breakthrough came with um, Yannick Balassi. I think the statistic is he hasn't scored for about a thousand days at Sellers Park. Um, he's not a big goal scorer anyway. He scored a hat trick against Sunderland, which was a complete one off last season. Um, he does score the odd goal, but his eye for goal isn't that great and he's more of a supplier. But, um, you know, he really got in there and it's been a tough week, a couple of weeks for him. His, his father died and he went to his funeral on Thursday. So, fantastic end to the week. And I think there's a lot of relief for the Palace fans, plus the fact that, you know, he's a real fan favourite and seeing him score that goal on the end of a really tough week, I, I think it. You know, I think it was you know it was great to see. You know, he's, he's a great character around the club, and he's always smiling when he's playing. And he's kind of he hasn't really had that last couple of weeks, which is completely understandable. Um, so it's great to see him get that goal. And we were we we fully deserve you know deserved that a win really. We we pushed on and got the penalty in the eighth minute. Kabaya stepped it up and. And I think Kev asked you weeks ago, who would take the penalties for Palace? Um, And I think I mentioned Kabay as one of them, if Dwight Gale wasn't on the pitch. And and as it turns out, we've had two penalties since then, and both been taken by Kabay. Not Punchin,
1: who, as you also mentioned, hasn't taken one since he skied one against Tottenham.
3: Yeah, you're right. Punching hasn't taken one since that uh, that balloon over the bar at Whitehall Lane a couple of seasons ago, and he's probably had nightmares about it ever since. But you know, we, we have penalty takers in a team who are good at a dead ball, and uh, as I mentioned to you, Kev, that uh, you know, Kibai was the one I thought that would take a penalty if we have one, and we've had we've had two since. So, and it's turned out to be the case. But you know, Kibai is exceptional. Um, he's proven to be the real deal. I think a lot of fans thought, you know, when you when you watch players for your own team, you see different things. When you see players playing for other teams, it's a little bit different. But I think a lot of fans are expecting the quality in passing and the the, the attacking and, and and you know looking for the ball forward to the to the wingers and the strikers from goodbye. But a lot of people, I don't think, expected the you know the hard tackling, the the tackling back, and the energy that he brings to. A- Game the you know, yeah, the still leads the league in the receptions for all players, he does, and, and he's just so lively throughout the game. And him and MacArthur, and MacArthur's a very similar player, um, in the but it, you know, in a, his engine is just the whole game up and down the pitch, the whole game they work off each other so well. And MacArthur does the silent job, whereas Kabaya just you know, he just wants the ball every time, he wants the ball and he wants to give it to the person who's gonna be in the best position to have an effort on goal. And if he, if he, if, if that's not him himself, um. Yeah, and as, as I mentioned before, Jednak can't really pass the ball, so it's you know, it does seem silly to compare the two, but Jednak was our main man last season, and you know Kabai is just a huge upgrade on that, and he's really showing a difference, he's linking the play between the wingers and the attackers, and it's fantastic to see, and I have to say, Dan will be disappointed, Dan from Baggy's Fats, because West Brom didn't offer anything at all in the game yesterday, other than trying to break up the play and frustrate us. Um that's a game as I mentioned before we'd have probably drawn or even lost last season. This is a big difference for us this season. And to be, I think we're sitting fourth on the table now after the games today. I'm I'm just, you know, like any other Palace fan, very pleased with what we're seeing, very happy with Pardieu. And looking forward to West, welcoming West Ham to Sellers Park after the international break. So yeah, I can't say much more than that at the moment. Very happy.
1: Yeah, thanks, Jay. For uh, Tottenham. 2-2 draw away to Swansea uh, today. And, you know, not too disappointed. Um, if you look at the stats, we clearly dominated most of the match. Uh, but if you watch the match, they had just as many chances to, to really put us away. They, they easily could have scored four in this one uh, had we not had Hugo at the back really defending it uh, from some of the mistakes that other players made. Uh, Kyle Walker struggle, struggled with Jefferson Montero for most of the day, uh, first half in particular. Uh, but yeah, 2-2 felt like the right result. I mean, we had the majority of play, but didn't really have as many great chances. I know if you look at shots on target, I think we had 11 and they had two, um, which looks a little lopsided. But, you know, it's just registering if the shot was fully taken. So, uh, yeah, 2-2 felt about right. Harry Kane looked pretty bad it just he seems to be questioning his own uh ability at this point there are a couple times where you would have expected him to just launch a ball where he like tried to dribble a little to the left or the right to find more space and you like just hit it man that's that's what you would have done last year uh so clearly he's trying to recover um eric lumela and nasser chadley both got the start both were hauled off pretty early to bring on uh clinton and g and andros townsend uh and g is very uh Promising the shooting skills, not so much. But his ability to get past defenders is pretty insane. And his pace is, is just bonkers. Andros Townsend tweeted earlier, if he was a superpower, his ability would be constantly making the wrong choice. So like in any 50-50, he's always going to pick the wrong one. Uh, and that was evident yet again today. Uh, it's just not good. And, and it's so much worse because he puts himself in great positions to make great plays and then immediately <laughs> negates them. Uh, so hopefully we can figure out what to do about him soon. Uh, Musa Dembele came back. Uh, we conceded two goals. One was a Harry Kane own goal. And then I left the happy bit for last with uh, Christian Eriksen scoring two free-kick goals. Uh, and and the difference in the side with him back in it is just marked. He, he's just so good. And it's th- those times when he's missing, you're like, oh, well, we're fine. And then he comes back and you really start realizing... Uh, just how good we could be once all of our young talent develops. Uh, Della Ali, not his best match. Eric Dyer picked up a yellow, which means he'll miss the Liverpool match uh, once that happens. And speaking of Liverpool, our topic was not about Liverpool. And then right before we went to record, we got news that Brendan Rodgers has indeed left Liverpool Football Club Uh Probably not going to take the Sunderland job, unquote, Jim, before we started uh, recording. But uh, what's your guys' immediate take on Brendan Rodgers stepping down at Liverpool?
2: I think it's been coming for a little while. Um, It's been difficult to see how long he's kind of got left due to the fact that they sacked a couple of his coaches in the summer, which I think was the start of the end for him. Because when you start removing someone's backroom staff, it's almost like you're kind of getting ready to clear the clean house a little bit. I know he was allowed to pick, I think, the the coaches that came in to replace them. But it almost seemed like those two guys that went in the summer were the four guys for what was ultimately a very disappointing campaign last year. I mean, I know that they had to sell Luis Suarez to Barcelona for an insane amount of money and, you know, no club in the land, I would imagine probably Barman City would have turned that offer down, maybe Chelsea. Um, but it was difficult to justify the way that they've spent the money since um, the transfers. And that goes for you know the previous season as well. He spent a hell of a lot of money and although they came second um, in 2013, apart from that, they haven't really done a lot else. You know, There's not been um, a huge amount to shout about. So, I think they probably feel now with the international break coming up, it's the only chance they've got to sack someone and get someone else in between now and kind of Christmas time because of the fact that it's the last international break for a little while because it's the last round of qualifiers and stuff. So the timing feels a bit awkward because it comes off the back of a draw against your local rivals. But I don't think, you know, it's not just because of that. I think it's just purely a timing thing. I can see why they've done it um, because. Liverpool are a huge football club and despite the fact that they haven't won anything for a while, their fans and the people around them and the fact that they're a huge commercial organisation demands success and unfortunately when you can't deliver that, as we've seen with previous managers, um, it's it's difficult to last more than a couple of years because that's all you get in modern football these days, if that.
3: Yeah, Jim? Yeah, I think like Jim, it's a decision that's been coming. Um Probably since the latter stages of last season, probably even before that there's been a lot of soundings around who's going to replace him but for me I find it quite odd that you know clubs such as Liverpool decide to do to do this after eight games in a season obviously they've had more because of uh, European competition perhaps the draw in the wick against FCC on was maybe the last draw in that if they didn't beat everton then um you know, Rodgers would be gone. But as it's turned out, that's the case. But Everton are no, you know, no easy proposition to beat this season. You know, they're, they're one of the top six sides. So, you know, it would have been tough to see Liverpool actually win today, um, in, in my opinion. Personally, I'd have thought that if Liverpool were thinking about getting rid of him, they should have done so in the summer. So they could have got, you know, cleared everything out and started afresh for a new season. Can you really tell a lot after, was it eight games of the Premier League season? Yes. Obviously, you can if you're a Chelsea. <laughs> if you if you're Chelsea, because it looks very much like their shot of the title has gone after. Well, probably less than eight games even. But but who knows this season? I mean, this season seems mad already because everybody's beating everybody. Uh, I can't see Chelsea catching up. Um, you know, to, to be in with a shot at the title. But I'm not trying to change this from a Liverpool talk to to a Chelsea. Talk. Back to Liverpool. I think they're currently sitting tenth after drew Everton. I, I just find it a little bit weird that, you know, after their thrashing at Stoke in the last season, I thought that would have been curtains for him and that, that would have been a fresh start in the summer. Uh, may have been a better way of doing things rather than giving him, you know, the money in the summer um, and then giving it just eight games. I mean, a lot of the time, you know, in the past... It's always been a case of, you know, see what a Premier League tables like after 10, 15 games and then go from there. But it's, it's obviously sooner than that. Uh, money has a lot to do with it investment, money in the game, stuff like that. I, I, I know that. But this is, you know, we're talking a big club. There's no doubt Liverpool are, are, are a big club. Um, yeah, it's just, I find it odd timing, perhaps. Probably, probably a little bit too late if I think thinking of doing it, maybe. But who? Knows.
0: Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands.
2: They should have sacked him in the summer. Jay's
1: Yeah, they should have. But I'll tell you, the issue is that Klopp wouldn't have taken a job in the summer.
2: That is also very true, actually, because, like Mm. you said, he's on sabbatical. I think because of the fact that he'd only just left Borussia Dortmund, he wouldn't have jumped straight back in. And I think that's probably what saved him, in all honesty. The lack of a credible replacement probably meant that he was able to go into the summer, spend all that money. But then again, you know, like you say, if he did, if Klopp wasn't going to take the job, and we don't know that he's going to take the Liverpool job now, we suspect he is. But yeah, with with
1: betting just suspended.
2: If 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 he wasn't, then you know, is it? I don't know. It's difficult, isn't it? Do you sack him and get what you consider to be an inferior manager to the one that you actually want?
1: Yeah, that's what we did. We we let Sherwood take the reins for a half season, and then ended up bringing in Pochettino.
2: Felt compelled to give him another go.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Maybe, maybe uh, Sherwood would do le- well at Liverpool.
2: But then it's a really awkward. You know, you can't really put a caretaker manager in to start a season. Though. It just doesn't work like that. So maybe yeah. they were backed into a corner where, in reality, there was no other option but to let Rogers carry on, and mm. sacking his backroom staff was just kind of a, an indication of what was to come.
3: No, I think it says a lot that the timing wise, we're looking at. You know the games have just been done before a two-week break for internationals. It it does make sense from that point of view. If they if if that was their view that they get to this point and it wasn't working, then they've got two weeks to get somebody in. I guess that makes a little bit more sense. But I, I still maintain the summer would have probably been a, a lot better idea. But like say if Klopp didn't want to come and that's the one that's the one person they want, then I you know I, I guess it kind of makes a little bit more sense.
1: Yeah, and not to uh, bury anything else, uh, Dick Advocat also leaving his post at Sunderland today. Uh, Probably don't need as much time on that at the moment as they are clearly not uh, really in the hunt. They uh, they have eked up to 19th with Newcastle shipping six goals to City, so now they're uh, in 19th with one better goal difference than Newcastle's negative 11. But I, I do think there's some talent in that Sunderland side that if they get the right person in, Right now, allegedly supposed to be Allardyce, uh, that they could turn things around. Uh, but then with those guys gone, you immediately turn to, all right, well, if it started already, because last season we waited till December, I think it was. Now we're starting to see the sackings a little earlier. You already mentioned that you didn't mean to go there, but let's fully go there now with Chelsea, who, with a 3-1 loss to Southampton, are now in 16th place. Uh, like you said, probably already out of the title challenge. Where, where do you think they'll actually end up? And do you think Mourinho will be next out the door?
2: At the moment, I'm struggling to see how they finish in the top four. Like, I think the fact that, obviously, it's, it's easy to say that when they've got such a terrible record this season. And I'm sure they will improve at some point. But it kind of seems like there's a balance to be struck between when they turn this around. And I'm starting to believe that maybe Mourinho isn't the man to turn it around. It almost seems like he's going into full kind of protection mode of blaming literally everyone Is If you've seen his post-match interview where the, the interviewer <laughs> asks one question and then Mourinho goes on what I can only describe as a Shakespearean <laughs> soliloquy. It was great. It. it was insane. Like he's gone full rogue now into kind of self-preservation mode and you know, calling Abramovich out, you know, if you sack me, you'll be sacking the best manager this club's ever had. That's textbook Mourinho before he goes from a job. Um, the problem is, as you say, who they bring in. Um, Ancelotti is available, um, not averse to being a short-term fix. Um, and, you know, that that is a potential. I just don't, I, I think he's lost the dressing room to a certain extent. How he's still playing Branislav Ivanovic is beyond me. The guy looks a shadow of his former mm. self. He, he is being humiliated week after week playing for Chelsea. And the fact that he sub-Matic on and then off again is just... It, it's the work of a madman. He's I mean, lost
1: it. He really has.
2: You know, that kind of thing is just... It, it's classic Mourinho and it's classic Mourinho as he goes into implosion mode. So... But the, the problem is now, if Abramovich is considering it, when does he do it? Before the damage is so much done that it gives them a virtually impossible task to, because the, it's unthinkable that Chelsea wouldn't be in the top four this season. It's just mm. not, it's unbelievable. You can't even consider that to be a possibility. Mm. Um, if we all kind of looked at this eight weeks ago, when everyone eight games ago, when everyone was saying Chelsea are favourites to win the league, and they were. You couldn't even foresee them struggling, let alone, you know, not getting into the top four. So it's it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks now because you've got that dilemma between if you do it, you've got to do it now. Um, And do they do it? I don't know. I'm not sure what you guys think. But I, I mean, if it was me, I'd do it now and, and get it over with. But I don't know whether Abramovich is, is worried about who he's going to bring in.
1: <laughs> enchilada to replace him yet again
3: <laughs> I, I i've got similar views to you jim actually and my my biggest question is that when people say that Mourinho's lost a dressing room that just says an awful lot to me about how much power players have these days because if somebody like Mourinho can lose a dressing room um in that manner um to almost implode effectively what was uh, the same title winning side from last season we're talking about who are currently sitting 16th in the table that I think that says an awful lot about how much power these players have you know um, could touch on how much they're paid and stuff like that but watching the game yesterday I was like I was probably like any Chelsea fan really I'm, I'm far from a Chelsea fan but I was watching the game and I saw Southampton equalise just before half time, and my view was that if they hadn't have got that goal then before half time, I think that might have been a turning point for Chelsea in the season, in that they would have probably gone on to win that game if they hadn't conceded that goal at that point. Because I think Chelsea were looking okay in the first half; they didn't particularly look that you know under threat, although they did escape by it with a couple of penalty shouts against them, which arguably could have been given um, you know to anybody else. Um, I'd like to have it if it was up the other end. But again, Chelsea aren't getting um, you know, much of the rub of the green at the moment either. Um, but for me, that second half just said everything about what the problem is at Chelsea. I mean, Jim, you mentioned Ivanovic. Absolutely awful. I mean, I watched him um, against Palace when we beat them at their place. And he just didn't know what he was doing. He had no idea what Saka was going to do against him every time. Um, Saka and Balassi switching wings every time, getting past them. I, I've just not seen a side, you know, who are effectively defending a title, defend so badly. Um, Like they did yesterday in that second half. They were all over the place. Cahill and Terry for that. Was it the second goal or third goal? I can't remember now. I think it was the second goal. They were just oh, I'd absolutely shocking for a team of that, you know, of that standing, that calibre. So, in answer to the question, you know, do, do, they, do they get shot at Mourinho now? I don't know whether you know whether they think Mourinho is he is he sackable by Abramovich? Is he somebody that they think?
1: First of all, anyone sackable by Abramovich? <laughs> yeah, 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 no, this
3: is true. This is true. However, it, is Mourinho you know in a position where you know is he calling the shots now over Abramovich? I know Abramovich owns the club, but is he you know or or is he kind of making his comments because he knows it's coming? I I don't know. Personally, for me. I mean, I would probably get rid of him, but then again, you just who would they bring in? I guess Abramovich's money could bring anybody in, but who who would that be? I don't know. Ancelotti would probably be a decent shout because he's not in a job at the moment, um, even if it's just you know until the rest of the season. But for me, I, Jim said it hitting on the head. They're going to struggle at the current rate to make top four. Um, but it's such an exciting season. With everybody it being everybody else then. You know, every team's going to have a real dip in form at, at you know at certain points of the season. Um, so you know, who knows? But it's, it's you know, it's a bit of a tough time for them. It really is. Um, Sixteenth of the table, you could have never predicted that uh, after eight games. Um, you know, going into this season.
1: Yeah, uh, as an American sports fan, we love a curse, right? And so you have the Billy Goat Curse for the Cubs. You had the Babe Ruth Curse for the Red Sox. Uh, I think the, the Browns had one as well. This is obviously the Curse of Eva. As soon as she leaves, everything goes terribly. Uh, and uh, I think that it, the reason why I was so curious to hear how you think they'll end up this season is that oftentimes you say, well, the big clubs can spend in January. Mm-hmm. And they already have the best replacement for their side in Cesar Espilicueta just on the wrong side. Baba Rahman is very capable of playing left back for Chelsea. And you look at each spot on the pitch and what player that's like, 50 million or less is better than the player in that position.
2: It's the there's, confidence
1: thing. There's very few. It's, it's staggering. It really is because all the players that are there are still incredible. I agree. I think Mourinho has very much lost the plot. And I think a large part of that is w- what's wrong? Like, what can you do when you have players of that quality that just can't do it uniformly? Like Tottenham have struggled a little bit this year because we put all of our eggs in the Harry Kane could be Harry Kane from last year basket. And so we're struggling with how we're going to deal with that. But, I mean, I was going to say short of Hazard, but that's not even true. Including Hazard, every player at Chelsea is worse than they were last year. And it's, mm. it's shocking, it really is.
2: The, I think, Kev, you joked
1: about the Eva Canero
2: thing, but actually, it's, it's, the more I hear about it, the more it sounds like she's a really valued member of that backroom staff. Mm. And actually, Mourinho going off on one about that when it's one of his players, his let's make no bones about it, the PFA Player of the Year, when it's his safety on the line and he's telling his officials not to go on despite the referee asking them to twice, mm. that's got to be a huge blow to player morale. Because And then the way that they've dealt with her has been nothing short of appalling. I think that's been yeah. said you know, uniformly and quite rightly so. But actually, it's kind of the same as freezing a player out. You know, and and treating them in such a way that actually people are turning around and saying, is this really the manager that we're running through brick walls for, or a manager that we're going to go and do such hard work on the training pitch and this kind of thing every week. It's the thing is, as you said, Kev, you probably aren't going out to replace most of that team. You probably need a few players here and there. Like they got rid of Luis Felipe, obviously went back to Atletico Madrid, but they have brought in replacements. They need a striker. That not buying another striker in in the summer was staggering. Apart from Falcao, to me, the, the fact that they've come into this summer with the striking resources that they have is is unbelievable. Because Diego Costa is made of glass and volatile. We all know.
1: Inhuman <laughs> a- garbage. garbage. That might be he's strong. Spent more
2: time fighting with people than he has scoring goals this year, and obviously <laughs> he's paying the price for that. Yeah. And Mourinho obviously feels victimised for the fact that Gabriel's ban was reversed and then he got given a one-game ban for not controlling himself and Costa got a three-game ban. But mm. that just makes Mourinho more like Mourinho. He just goes into kind of preservation mode and blames everyone else. But that's not going to help the team.
3: No, completely right. And we mentioned the fact that we were focusing on defence a little bit, but you you guys are right. It's the whole team. You know, There's something wrong somewhere, whether it's behind the scenes, um, just don't look confident. I mean, you know, Falco, Cow up front I mean, it could have quite easily got sent off yesterday I mean that's not that's that's not foul car from what I've seen in the past you know um you know I know he's tackling back at different places but they just seemed so out of sync with each other you know the first half they they looked okay but they, there was still something odd about them um, but that second half to implode like they did um, but not taking anything away from Southampton, they were excellent that second half you know they really they really went out for them but you know this division is so competitive this season. It's it, it it's great to see from you know from a neutral perspective, but if you're a Chelsea fan, you'd be wondering what what the hell's going on from last season. It's just so different.
1: All right. So quickly, is he the next manager up? I think so.
2: I think because if you'd have asked me that before Rogers would have gone, I would have said Rogers. But I think Marie I think he's going to go. I don't think he'll see Christmas. I'm not sure whether they'll sack him in this international break. It might take another result and another mazy press conference of complete (laughs) gibberish before they sack him but I think it's it's speaking in (laughs) tongues yeah
3: I'm not confident they're going to they're going to pull the trigger actually I I really I I really don't I think somebody else is going to go before him if he does indeed go this season somebody like McLaren or Sherwood
2: if he doesn't go they're not finishing in the top four
3: oh definitely not no I, I, I yeah. Not to, yeah definitely amazing
2: right amazing and hilarious in equal measure
3: have you ever been so <laughs> upset that your team's a year away from
1: really challenging for top four that's how this guy feels right now Jay doesn't know they're in fourth um, <laughs> but, but a lot of Tottenham people were already popping up like oh is this the year uh, no last year could have been the year next year will probably be the year but this isn't it we have too many young players still coming through uh, and I mentioned before in regards because I'm sure I'm going to get this question a lot now Um the problem is is consistency, and it always has been with us. Yeah, we beat City, and it was a great result. Just like last year, we beat Chelsea, and then we lost to Jays Palace last year, and then we drew Swansea away today. We drew Monaco midweek, and that's the problem. is Consistency is what wins you the title, not, not big results every now and again. Um, but yeah, I agree. I, I don't think Chelsea are making top four this year, which raises a very interesting question, because if it's not Tottenham, is there a chance that it is someone like a Leicester, like a Crystal Palace, that's sitting up there right now that just doesn't fall off the way that we've seen a lot of teams up there like West Ham and Southampton of late?
3: Hell yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> look, look, make no bones about it. I'm absolutely loving this Premier League season. It is superb. But we can't like, <laughs> Every time we come up against a competent attacking team, we're, it's going to be Arsenal again. And that is just, Mm. it's that can only last so long. Um, You know, it's only just October. We've got a long way to go yet before we start thinking about anything above kind of lower mid table (laughs) avoiding relegation. Um, I hope it's more than that significantly. And it would be great to push on into top 10, but it's not going to be us. Um, It could easily be someone like Everton.
1: That's exactly who I was thinking. Yeah. Mm. That's
2: my best pre season bet, actually, to be to finish. Without the top four, the highest, uh, the top six, sorry, um, to finish above everyone apart from the top six. So, you know, at the moment, the way that they're going, that's looking in superb shape. So hopefully they can keep that up. So I'd love Palace to be the team that breaks out and, and does that. I don't know about top four for Palace, it might be a step too far. But then, you know, teams like that who haven't got European commitments, that can't be overstated when you look into the, the latter half of the season and you've got teams playing thursday sunday thursday sunday and then you've got other teams only playing saturdays and um, that could have a huge impact come come kind of january february
3: time i mean to be honest fair play to leicester and you know I can't, to be fair i can't see us finishing top four although i did i did some um, statistics for an article um last week actually and i was interested to see how leicester have got the points that that they have so far this season, and comparing that to Palace's list of fixtures so far, I, I noticed that before and right up until the Arsenal or the defeat to Arsenal for Leicester, um, Leicester had actually only played Tottenham, who were the only team that they'd played who finished in the top six last season. Mm. Um, As whereas to
1: you who played everyone in the top.
3: Six. We, yeah, we played four of the top five, um, but uh, yeah, in those first seven games of the season. So, in comparison to that. I guess that we should... Well, I mean, it's great that Leicester are a team that are beating the teams that, are, like I mentioned earlier, is that old adage, should be beaten on paper. You know, you've got a team which is strong in form. You should be beating Norwich. You should be beating others of, of similar ilk. Um, same as us this season. That was our biggest downfall last season. Our home form was terrible. And we were losing to teams like Sunderland. We were losing to teams like Villa at home um, and not beating. And we were picking up points against some of the big teams where... Yeah, we we've done both this season so so far. Um, we've had a bit of an injury crisis at the moment, but you know, to finish, to say, to, for people to say, Palace, you know, could possibly finish top six, even. I mean, that's just something that you know. I, I mean, I, I was I was going to games when Palace finished third in the old, you know, before the Premier League. It's the early nineties, so that would have been 91, 92 season. I think we finished third. Couldn't play in Europe because English teams were banned, so. Um, thanks to Liverpool fans, but yeah, that I remember that well. But we have a better squad of players. It's so difficult to compare eras in football, but I still maintain we have a much more exciting squad of players at the moment. And you know, an improvement on a top on a, on a tenth place finish last season for us would, would be would be fantastic. Top six, that'd be out of this world. It really would. But you know, we're at a point now where we're having to start. Well, we're, we're being forced to look up rather than behind us now. We've got no choice because of how we're playing, how the club are conducting themselves. Everything is just, you know, it's it's gone sky high for us. But back to the, back to the main point, it would be fantastic for a club, not just Palace, a club like Swansea, a club like Leicester, you know, to finish in that, you know, if Chelsea aren't going to finish in that fourth spot or, or, or make the top four, another team's got to do it Everton even it'd be great if Everton could do it It would just break that monotony of the same old teams every season finishing in those positions whether it's a different team each year win the league fair enough but the top four have been the same for the last three or four years haven't I, I think yeah. um, it'd be great people for people a...
1: excited about Tottenham almost breaking through like the, the Champions League year and I think people got tired of us falling just short uh, well, Tottenham, just as, to well. It's it's like Tottenham as
3: well Tottenham as well because yeah because you haven't really finished in the top four and, when, when was the last time you finished top four uh, is that 2010? Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Uh, I mean, even Tottenham, it's just refreshing to see a different name in, in the mix. You know, somebody like Swansea again. I mean, that would be fantastic if they could, you know, make that step up and, 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 and really push for something like that. You know, Stoke weren't far away. You know, they finished, what, seventh last season? Sixth, seventh? It, it's, it's similar to what we mentioned before in that, you know, there's a group of teams that are really pushing the likes of Tottenham and even Liverpool to make that gap smaller. Um, even even West Ham, you know, if West Ham could sort out their home form, they're an exciting mm-hmm. side to watch. They're yeah. picking up decent points. Dmitry Payet is just too good. He's he's fantastic he's to watch, he really is, yeah. And and when they click, they really do click, as, yeah. as Arsenal found out and, and other teams this season. So you know, there, there's there's a lot of in, there's a lot of interest in football still to be played this season.
1: Yeah, so uh to recap all of that, uh what do we got? We got Klopp to Liverpool, maybe We've got Big Sam to Sunderland, maybe. Uh, Chelsea aren't going to finish top four. They're going to get a new manager, and Everton, Swansea, or Crystal Palace are going to be in the Champions League. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Who yeah. Said fine it? It. Oh,
1: simple as. Right, uh, we're going to wrap up with a uh, player watch, where we're just going to quickly discuss a player that disappointed and a player that impressed in our club's fixture this weekend. Um, for
2: Leicester, I'd probably say um, Geoffrey Schlupp impressed me a lot this weekend Um, I was pleased he got the opportunity to play in midfield because I know that he's capable of that decent attacking play that we've seen from him before I was really over the moon that he scored a goal and because that'll do his confidence the world of good what it means for fantasy managers I don't know now because it's how we fit everyone in around it Um, it's kind of given uh, Claudio Ranieri another headache really um because it you know, he could feature a lot further forward, but that probably means at the expense of Mares or Albrighton, um, who have both been very, very good this year. The player who disappointed maybe Cashwritch Michael, he wasn't brilliant for the, the goal. Um he has had some brilliant games for us and he's won us plenty of points in the past. And again it's another one of those where the majority of the players are, are scoring seven and eight out of ten and he's probably one of the only players with a five or a six. So I'd say Casper on that basis, but it's by no means you know a discouraging thing for us. Um, you've got to pick someone in, in a feature like this, and unfortunately, the the finger is going to point to him this week. But it could easily have been you know anyone else.
3: Yeah, difficult to say anybody disappointed from our game yesterday. It it really is tough to pinpoint anybody. Uh, Balassi wasn't on his usual um, usual high. Um, yeah, adrenaline fueled game as he normally is, but you can give him a freebie for that after uh, after the week that he'd had. And to be fair, he got it well for the goal, a headed goal from a winger. I mean, you, you you got to celebrate that sometimes, haven't you? So he was in the right place at the right time um, on the end of a fantastic cross from Kabay. The one that impressed me the most, um, I think it's got to be Wilf Zaha, just edges Goodbye. Um, Probably tough to pick between the two. Um, Wolf Wolfe, it's great to see him back to the levels that we experienced before he went to United. Um, and he really did. I mean, I mentioned earlier that, you know, he came on a sub against Watford and, and, and won the penalty, which was, spookily enough, exactly the same position as the playoff final a few years ago against Watford. Um, in that game, yesterday, he was just outstanding. From the first minute, he got the ball. He wanted the ball. He wanted to run at Chris Brunt. Uh, who was uh, the West Brom left back, who isn't a left back, clearly. Um, but he was in that position and, and we just punished him for that, really. We kept going at him and um, Will felt Will about three or four chances he could have scored, um, which was saved or blocked. Um, but he was just outstanding. It's really good to see him playing with a smile on his face um, after what happened at United, really. Um, back to, to a place that you know he knows people adore him. Um, And he's back to playing some of his best football. So um, for me, he impressed me. Um, uh, So Wilf Saha.
1: Yeah, for Tottenham, player that impressed. Um, I mean, I suppose if you have two free-kick goals, (laughs) it's pretty obvious. Um, Christian Eriksen, obviously phenomenal. Although uh, Hugo Lloris deserves a shout. Uh, It's impressive um, how well he does after not being involved for such huge swaths of the game. And I know a lot of people have listened to me talking about how much better Tottenham's defense is. And then they look at the scoreline and see two goals conceded. And you're like, well, well, what happened, Kevin? Um, I'll tell you, audience. um, Tottenham's defense is still fairly good. We we suffered a little bit on the wings today. Kyle Walker got into early trouble. uh, Didn't get a yellow card, but was told very early uh, that if he fouled uh, Jefferson Montero again, he'd get a yellow card. So he had to lay off a little bit. Uh, so we got beat on that wing fairly often. Ben Davis didn't have his best match against his former club either. But up the middle, we did still look very solid uh, with Lloris going through huge swaths of the game with nothing to do and then popping up uh, and getting the saves needed to keep us in the match. The Kane own goal, you can't really do anything about that. It was at the near post. It was one of the most bizarre goals I've seen. And the Andre Ayu goal, hard to blame anyone really. Basically what we've done this year is established was a very kind of american football policy and defense which is keep your man in front of you just at all times just do it and so we saw kyle walker pretty close but gave a little bit of space to jefferson montero vertongan gave a little space to andre au and it just happened to be you know that perfect ball uh again from american football you can't defend a perfect pass and it was that kind of scenario here it just was pretty unfortunate but all in all uh, defense still looks good. So uh, m- impressed that Hugo Lloris, after doing pretty much nothing for about 30 minutes of the match, uh, still showed up at the end to get a couple of key saves. Um, player that disappointed the most, it has to be Andros Townsend. It- it's just so disappointing watching him struggle with the same issues that he had two years ago. It's so reminiscent of Aaron Lennon, and isn't helped by the fact that they play at the same position on the pitch. But constantly getting into dangerous areas and then letting their final decision constantly let them down. And it's it's just a shame because you know two years ago breaks into the England side, everybody's really excited. Yes, he has this one flaw—he shoots too much. But you know maybe he'll get those shots on target. Maybe it's going to be a Bale-esque transformation. And yeah, to repeat myself, it's it's just a shame that he's still dealing with the issue of not knowing what to do with the final ball. Um, so anyway, that's that's who impressed and disappointed. So with that, we are out of time. So if you have any projects you'd like to plug or if you'd like to tell people where to reach you, now would be a good time.
2: Thanks for listening, guys. Um, I've been Jim. You can find me at jim 88 on Twitter. Alternatively, I do a lot of writing for uh, Goal.com. I'm their chief betting editor. So I'll be very busy over the international break kind of digesting the managerial changes and where to look um, in the markets for the next candidates for those jobs if they're still up for grabs by the time you hear this and they've not been appointed yet um, but yeah thank you very much for listening and um, hopefully I'll be on again soon
3: yeah thanks for listening guys I'm Jay I'm editor of the theeaglesbeak.com plenty of great work from our great team of well, so far this season it's going to continue throughout the season so please go and check out um, the latest articles there's normally a couple a day going online so um, always fresh content on there about Palace and football and fantasy football from Kev which is great um, you can check the site at the theeaglesbeak.com um, sorry, on Twitter at EaglesBeak and the website is EaglesBeak.com. i am also become recently involved in a local community football show which is called Back of the Net. It's on Suzy Radio, which you can hear if you're not in a local area, to me online uh, through the tuning app or, or anywhere else online. Um, but you can follow the, the team on Twitter, uh, um, which is at underscore back of the net underscore. So um, give us a listen to what it, you think. It's a, it's a new football show talking local football. But we're covering Palace as well and the Premier League each week, and it's a lot of fun. So if you're like tuning in, then please do. It would be, uh, it'd be good to have you.
1: Uh, yeah, also a uh, quick shout-out to Liverpool in that shout. I just uh, was looking at the table again. They're only three points off fourth. And so if they got in somebody like Klopp, you know, that's <laughs> that's a couple wins and then you're back in it. So they also could be in that shout for fourth spot. But anyway now that we've pacified that large section of our audience. Uh, I am <laughs> Kevin DeVries, at Kevroff on Twitter. If you like reading fantasy articles, don't go to theeaglesbeak.com, and definitely don't read my article from this week, where I said to Ben Chiguero, who then scored five goals. The rest of it was pretty much correct, but that's that's like the first line of that article. It's not great. Uh, but <laughs> if you'd like to see my uh, fantasy match previews, you can go to blog.playtoga.com where I preview Uh, tottenham sunderland and palace matches although obviously not happening this week as we head into the international break also host the fpl roundtable which comes out thursday mornings on this very audio stream so it should be pretty easy to find that as well all right thanks so much for joining us guys it's been a pleasure as always and we hope you keep listening